Alright, welcome everyone. Uh, my name is Sean Turner and this is the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. This is the first episode and um, I'm a little nervous but I'm glad for uh, anyone who eventually comes across this. Uh, just to start off with who I am, I'm a 24 uh, year old from New York City. Um, right now I'm in an undergraduate school for uh, economics and currently applying to um, graduate school for uh, mental health counseling so they're not really... Um, one in the same thing whatsoever. Uh, further, I'm also uh, super into fitness, and you're also, and you'll find a lot of those themes throughout this podcast. Um, I plan on talking about everything from fitness to life to mental health to meditation to really any way I can intertwine my thoughts. I also um, plan on interviewing uh, people who have done like extreme things between ultra marathons or even calisthenics or really have really um, channeled their inner passion and used that to uh, fuel discovery in uh, new realms of their mind, uh, body, and spirit. Um, further, my purpose of this podcast is to really just kind of show the interconnectivity between the mind with like everything else that goes on in your life, and uh, whether that be relationships or friendships or fitness or really anything in total. Uh, so um, this episode is just going to be about like me, mostly, um, how I got to this point of wanting to do a podcast like this, um, you know, like my story, and then uh, kind of where I want to take this in the end. So um, the way I uh, always wanted to start this Pursuit of Happiness podcast is like honestly because for the longest time I was extremely unhappy. I was always searching for this ideology of like what happiness is and like where is it? If is it an event? Is it a place? And I spent so much time searching for it, trying to achieve it, and that took me in a lot of different directions throughout my life, uh, whether it be from the military to traveling or to um, getting myself involved in things that I really should not have been involved in. Uh, but this unhappiness really also led me down a pretty negative path for a long time. Um, a path that I'm going to carve out for everybody in this um, episode. Uh, so this episode is really going to talk about my my path with drinking and stuff like that, um, and how that really led me to my decision making and to the point where I am today. So uh, just a fair warning, there is going to be some triggering things in this episode, um, and if that's not something you're prepared to hear, I would definitely recommend um, maybe not listening now. Um, because I'm going to go deep into the depths of like what was going on in my mind and like really trying to explain like how I was really feeling. Um, so here it is. Uh, basically I, um, I started drinking when I was about 13 years old and while I'm not going to go into like a lot of the details of the events, I will go into like the overall emotional well-being. And when I started that process, you know, like I, I felt very insufficient. Um, most of my life, I had this huge underlying feeling of insufficiency. No matter what I did, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. Whether that be with friends or family, sports, school, or anything in between. Like, whether I was succeeding or not, I felt I wasn't enough. Whether I had friends or not, I felt I wasn't enough. And, you know, whenever I was with people, I always felt like they were looking for something else outside of me. And it all came down to, I just... I really didn't like myself. I really didn't like who I was as a person. And I just had this negative self-thought every single day. So that got me to the point when I was about 13 and I said, you know what, I'm going to drink, you know. 
because what I had heard is that this drinking, like, this substance could shut all of that internal thought off. It can make me care a little bit less. It could make me, you know, just be able to be present and possibly have fun. So I wanted to drink because I didn't want to be myself anymore. I didn't want to be inside my own mind anymore. I really wanted it to turn off a little bit. And that's exactly what happened when I, I had my first drink. It all kind of quieted down for a little bit. I was, you know, I wasn't chasing anymore. I wasn't feeling alone in a group of people. I kind of felt there through the alcohol. Unfortunately, this kind of took charge of my life for a long time thereafter. Um, going throughout high school and things like that, it was just, I, I made it my number one part of my identity because I didn't like who I was. I didn't want to be Sean Turner the person anymore, you know? I wanted to be Sean Turner the partier, Sean Turner the crazy person, Sean Turner who does this, and because I didn't want people to see me because I was a fraud at the end of the day in my mind. Like, the person I was deep down was, you know, scared, insufficient, a loser, ugly, um, not funny, couldn't understand jokes, or couldn't really be someone of value. So I, I wanted to create this persona through, through drinking, and that's exactly what I did. Everything about who I was became partying, you know, every, whether it be in sports or school, like my number one priority was to show that I was, I was a partier, I was a drinker, I was, you know, this crazy person, and you know, that gave me a lot of relief for a long time. Um, I kind of based all of my friendships around, like, going out and partying. I I even based, like, relationships and stuff off of that. And I, I always let it take the precedent. I let it take charge over every other thing in my life, whether that be school, sports, and relationships, friendships, is, like, the parties and the drinking always came first. And even thinking back, that led me to hanging out with a lot of people who weren't really my friends that much, only because, like, that's where the substance was going to be available. And, like, the people who were my friends, you know, I would kind of put them to the side. And although it wasn't on purpose, thinking back now, like, that could have been kind of hurtful. And, like, it really inhibited me from, like, actually fostering stronger relationships that I have um, been trying to do now. You know, because a lot of times when, like, people would just be hanging out, like, and doing nothing and just being there with each other, like, I couldn't go. And it's not because I didn't want to be with the people. It's because I felt like me alone wasn't enough to be there. I felt like me as just me was not what those people would want. I felt like if they hung out with me one-on-one -on -one individually or not outside of this party atmosphere, like, they would recognize the fraud that I saw myself for. And that's like a really hard thing to do. So I would always just choose somewhere where I could go to, you know, engage in reckless activities over actually being there with people who were my real friends um, who did like me for me. But, you know, when you don't like you for you, that's a really hard thing to see. It's hard to fathom how anyone could actually enjoy you when you don't enjoy you. Um, and this affected even like the way I would play sports and things like that. I was a lacrosse player um, back in high school and you know it's hard for me to actually like decide if I was good or not because for me I, I wasn't good at anything you know. I, I wasn't really good enough at anything so even when like I would play a game and people would come up to me and say oh you did good or you're good I just like 
in my mind they're messing with me. In my mind they're making fun of me because we both know I'm not good. It's like why why are you lying to me? I know I suck. I know I'm not sufficient. I know I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Why are you trying to shove it in by pretending like you actually thought I was good enough or you actually thought like I was sufficient in that area? And that hurt me more because I didn't I thought people were making fun of me. I thought that they were going to go home and really think in their head, oh, that's Sean Turner. He sucks, man. He really ruined the game for us. But to me, they were just trying to make me feel better, even though we both knew, no, nah, man, I'm no good. And that really um, inhibited my ability to really uh, go after certain things um, in my life, whether it be uh, certain things with education or even things with sports. I just... I was so afraid that people would understand that I wasn't good enough just like I knew that I, I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even attempt to go for things. I would stop studying for exams. I would stop, you know, actually tr practicing sports or try to get better at them or doing the things I was supposed to. Because, you know, if I didn't try, at least I could always control the narrative. You know, at least at the end of the day, it would be, well, I didn't, I didn't try, you know? It wasn't I wasn't good enough. Like, I chose to be bad enough. And it's kind of like, you know, you can't, you can't make me fail. I'm the only person that's going to make me fail. And just with high school sports, that resulted in me, you know, drinking the days before games, drinking before games, and a lot of other really, really selfish things. Uh, luckily, I think I did perform at a lot of these events, but... I have no idea on who I could have been had I not been that afraid to try. Because failure, I already knew I was a failure and I didn't want to be more of a failure. So I decided how I was going to be a failure by not trying and never giving myself the actual opportunity to see of whether my skills were sufficient enough. <laughs> Further, this um, feeling of insufficiency affected the way I went about relationships and all those, I just, I didn't actually think like a girl or anyone could like me. I just, how could I? Um, so what I would often do is for years, whenever I would get into a situation with someone that I liked, I would, I would some level just blow it up, you know? I would do these horrible things and make these bad decisions and just make them want to leave me because in my mind they eventually they were going to figure out I was a fraud anyway and want to leave me so at least let me control the narrative and it was more so like you can't hurt me because bad as I will hurt myself I never wanted to give anyone the opportunity to truly get in or to truly understand me because I was afraid that once they did that they would they would leave me so I would blow it up and that's really not that kind of is a shitty thing to be doing with your with your life um, yeah I um, and you all know the worst part about it is even in some of these relationships and stuff that I was in with I would hurt these people and they would get hurt by it I had like this like weird logic was like can't you see how me hurting you hurts me like can't you see that I'm only hurting you because I am hurt? 
expecting them to actually understand that and act without actually explaining to them why I'm hurt or what I'm afraid of or how I feel insufficient. I just couldn't understand why people would get hurt by my actions when in reality, like, it's other actions that are hurting me and causing me to take these actions. And that just shows the delusion of what was going on inside of my head and the hypocrisy of everything. You know, I'm hurting, so let me hurt you, but then I'm going to be hurt because me hurting you makes you not want to be with me anymore. And then, you know, but like at the end of the day, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I was already making that happen. You know, I was already making the people leave me the second they started getting close to me. Because then at least I decided, you know, I, it was my choice for this not to work out. I was the one who made the bad decisions. I was the one who hurt you. I was the one who gave you no better reason. Like, it wasn't because you didn't like me. It wasn't because you saw that I wasn't good enough. It was just because I was choosing to do things that made me not good enough. And at the end of the day, all those prophecies came true. You know, every person I ever got close to ended up leaving and, and for good reason. There was no reason to stay. I wasn't, I was a, a shell of the person. And it's just sad because oftentimes like those people would be able to see past this facade I was putting up. They were actually able to see through and to recognize who I really was. So they would stay for long periods of time and that would allow me to hurt them for long periods of time. And I'm really sorry about all of that now thinking back, but it's crazy how the people like who love us the most will will put up with the the worst amount of things, you know? They will really deal with you for extended periods of time because they can see what, what I couldn't see. They could see that deeper value person of of worth that I couldn't see. All I, I could see was worthlessness <laughs> for a really, really long time. Um, I ended up, uh, after high school, I, I went to college at uh, Penn State. Um, I was supposed to try out for the, uh, well, I got an offer as a preferred walk-on for the lacrosse team, um, which is pretty much like, hey, we didn't give you a scholarship, but like if you come and play, like you'll make the team. I had talked to like Coach Tambroni a few times. Like it was pretty set in stone. Like if I would have gone to practice, like I, I would have been on the team. But I, I was afraid. You know, I always told people like I didn't show up to practice because I wanted to join a frat. I wanted to party. I wanted to hook up with girls. I didn't join the. I didn't show up to practice because I was afraid. I was afraid if I showed up there, everyone would see exactly what I always knew, which was like that I was a fraud that I was 100% not good enough and that I had no place there. And that scared me so, so much. You know, it was one thing for me to know that I'm insufficient, but to actually prove it to the rest of the world by showing up here, that that could be devastating to me. You know, the, the very little confidence I have left would be utterly destroyed and, and it would disappear. And I, I just couldn't allow that to happen. So I just never showed up. I never showed up to practice and then I put on the show that, you know, it was because I wanted to party, that I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that. No, it was because I was afraid. Because now that I didn't show up, I could always say, you know, if I would have showed up, I would have made the team. I would have been good. I could have been the starter because I controlled the narrative. You know, I didn't actually show up. I didn't step up to the plate and see if I could get a hit. I just decided that I'm not going to show up, but I could always tell people I could have, you know. 
if I would have went for it, like, I could have made it happen. I could have made it work. Because at least I was in control, you know? And that's how I lived a lot of my life. I, I wouldn't show up. I wouldn't try things. Because that way I could say how they would have went if I would have done them. You know, because I just needed to hold on to that last stitch of control because my whole life felt like it was outside of it, you know? Everything felt like it was falling apart. So if I don't show up to things, if I don't try things, at least I could say I could. Um, this ended up, I did end up joining the fraternity. Um, no regrets, honestly. I have some of my best friends in the world from that fraternity. And, like, uh, God bless them. Like, I have guys who I'm still getting a lot closer to who I, I was not that close to during my time there, which is a huge blessing um, and something I'm so appreciative for. Uh, there was never a problem with the guys in the fraternity. I mean, the problem was always with with me. Um, but I did join the fraternity, and I forgot to do school. Um, I In my spring semester, I ended up getting a 0.0, which is really hard because, like, you just have to do anything to, you know, get, like, above a 0.0. .0. And, like, I withdrew from three classes, so I was only taking two classes. And I failed both of them. And it's because I, I didn't show up to class ever. You know, it's funny because I was, um, I remember finals week. I'm going to the library to study. Mind you, I have not handed in a single thing all semester. I don't know what part of me thinks, like, I could potentially pass this class. <laughs> That's just so... There's no logic there, but I showed up and then I realized I'm screwed. But I didn't really care, you know, because I did get into the fraternity at this point and it kind of enabled me to just shut it all off. I could just drink and party and forget about everything else because, like, you know what? It, it didn't matter that I was getting 0.0 because my life was going nowhere. Like, at that point in time, like, I couldn't see a future for myself. Like, when other people had, like, a general plan and what they wanted to do, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was get to a point where I could drink and party. That's literally all I wanted. Because I... Reality was not something I could deal with. But going out and partying and being the party guy and being the crazy person, you know, at least that could be an identity for me. You know? And then, like, it actually turned into me, like, taking some pride in actually getting that 0.0. .0. Because, you know what, I already decided at that point that I was a fuck-up. You know, I already decided that I was a loser. Like, I already knew it my entire life. You know, now I was just proving it. I was going to be the best loser. I was going to be the best fuck-up that you have ever seen in your entire life. And there was no if, ends, or buts about it. So I took pride in the way I parted. I took pride in looking disgusting or doing bad things or screwing people over or quitting jobs in the wrong way you know because that's just who I was you know it, that's just how it is sorry I, I'm I'm a fuck up man I'm a loser I'm a piece of shit uh, because at that point in time it was it was much easier for me to just say I'm a piece of shit and that's just how it is you know it, it was I couldn't take accountability for my actions you know at all I couldn't take accountability and say, no, I am choosing to do these things. This is not who I am, but I am choosing to make these decisions that make me look like a piece of shit. But I didn't want to own my decisions. I just wanted to say that this is just the way it is. It's just who I am and there's nothing we can do about it. 
So after that spring semester, I ended up taking three classes in the summer semester because, you know, I just failed two classes. I need to, like, get some grades and, like, get my GPA up. But I was out in Montauk, and I, for anyone who knows Montauk, it's a Hamptons, it's a party town. I ended up bartending at 18 years old, and I didn't do those classes, and I got another 0.0. Um, that summer was essentially just me waking up at, I don't know, 7 a.m., going to work, uh, making mudslides for me and the entire staff and drinking them, going out to 4 a.m., wash, rinse, repeat. There was obviously no time for me ever to do anything with school or classes or anything of that sort. Um, but it was still at the same time is because I couldn't deal with my reality. You know, like I needed to keep drinking. I needed to keep partying because I needed to shut everything else off. You know, I didn't want to be sober. I didn't want to face the fact that like my life is literally going nowhere. I am making horrible decisions. I am screwing over the people that I care about the most and I'm lying to them all of the time. Because at least when I was getting drunk, like, I could kind of go back into, like, this fantasy land where everything's okay and, like, this is just who I am. I'm just a partier. I'm nothing else. Like, there's nothing else to worry about. Um, yeah, and that, uh, that continued on. And then the next year, I did a little chimney sweeping and stuff like that. And I actually kind of uh, stopped drinking for a little while. And, and things did get better. Thoughts got a little clearer. Uh, but, I mean... That all came to pass when I uh, ended up going back out to Montauk and, um, you know, it was the same story. Once I was in the environment and, like, working at a restaurant, I was back to the same old person, the same old party. And, and uh, any work I had done to straighten out my life during that brief period of a few months, like, it was going right back down the other way. Um, towards the end of uh, the beginning of that summer, it was probably around July, uh, me and it was a girlfriend at the time, she broke up with me and I felt like my life was in shambles. Uh, there was no reason for her not to break up with me. I was I was being horrible. You know, I would hardly ever answer my phone and but I felt so bad for myself when it happened, you know, like how could this happen to me? And it kind of like reaffirmed like everything I was doing was fine. It was like, see, like everything's going to get destroyed anyway, might as well just keep doing your actions. It wasn't a wake up call saying, Hey, like Dude, like, you're doing bad things. It was, you know, this is just your life. Your life is, like, one big sob story and just continue on the way you are. Uh, it did cause me to end up actually enlisting in the military, uh, the guard. I was probably going to do it anyway. But, like, that was the final nail in the coffin. So I did do that. Uh, and the way the guard works is, like, you actually have a bunch of time between enlisting in the guard and actually leaving for um, basic training. So the following year, I actually I had gone to a community college, got some grades, and was going to be able to return to Penn State uh, which I did do um, that coming September. Uh, when I returned to Penn State for the first semester, I was I was talking to an old friend again, and like things were actually going pretty well. Um, I was able to keep like the partying and stuff in check for a little while, but eventually, as things always do, like they started to derail themselves. Um, partying it just became everything again drinking became everything again because like the depression was coming back again the anxiety was coming back again I, I I didn't know how to deal with reality I still had I still didn't know uh what I wanted to do with my future I still had no idea where I was going to take it um and you know that really weighed on me a lot so I just didn't worry about it and I would just go out partying and uh a lot of it was because like I had this like this like total level of insufficiency inside I see even though like I lived in my fraternity house I still felt like no one really like liked me in there 
I felt like a lot of my friends like weren't really my friends and they only liked me when I was partying. So like I did a lot of things to try and like fill those voids, whether that be like trying to be some sort of a chick magnet womanizer, which I promise you I never actually was. Um, as much as I thought that the boozing and the partying was like, yeah, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get with some girls. I don't know if it really ever happened that often for me. Actually, I know for a fact it didn't. Um, I was so sloppy. <laughs> it just was never me. Um, I was trying to force something that wasn't there. Uh, but I did have like this fantasy of more, you know, more drinks, more friends, more girls. Um, so that's kind of what I focused my life on because like I was just so unhappy. Everything in my life was just was just crazy, and I was just absolutely so so unhappy with who I was. So I wanted to fill it through like whether it be booze or just making friends with random people who were also willing to go out and party as hard as I was, or like trying to find girls that would like could kind of like distract me for a, at least a little bit. Um, that uh, fall semester was okay, but come spring semester things really started going hot and heavy again. Um, I really just started going after it. Uh, some other things kind of fell apart. And I was just, I didn't want to be me anymore. I just wanted to shut down all the time. So that's what I would try and do. And like, this is when like the real depression and other things would kind of kick in because there was a lot of times where like, I would be staying up really late partying and stuff like that. And I never wanted to go to bed, and like, people are always kind of, I guess I gave like the impression like it was because, you know, I was having so much fun, I was doing crazy stuff, and it was just because like, I couldn't deal with facing the reality of tomorrow, like I never wanted to go to bed because I didn't want to come to. I didn't want to wake up the next day and be back where I was, like feeling the way I felt and feeling insufficient and feeling like a loser, because you know, like the second the buzz came down or anything like that, or the second the night's over, then I'm all alone, you know? With my, my thoughts, there's no distractions, there's no more, there's just nothing, it's just me and this insufficiency that I feel, feel. And honestly, that second semester, it took me to a few times where I would just be crying, you know, in my room, like begging God, like, can't you just like, can you just end this for me? Like, I am I am so tired of feeling this pain. I am so tired of feeling alone. I am so, so tired. Just, I'm tired and I'm done. Just please, just do it for me, you know? Because I didn't really want to do it myself, but I, I just wanted it all to be over. And I would always leave my door unlocked when I was doing that, you know? hoping, hoping that someone would open that door. No one ever came in. No one would ever open the door. And in reality, I don't really know if it would have mattered. You know, because there were times where I would get really drunk and start crying or things like that. And, you know, friends, they do ask or they, they kind of try and talk to you. And, like, it always turns into, dude, dude. I was just drunk, man. It was that was just that night. I was just being weird, you know. Don't don't even worry about it. Because the craziest thing about like me and like what was going on is that the things that were killing me, the booze, the depression and stuff like that, like I did everything I could to like make sure it could keep going.
You know, I did everything in my power to ensure that the thing that is killing me slowly from the inside stayed alive. You know, I based all of my actions around sustaining it. So whether someone saw me at that time or not, I think it really just would have ended up being like, nah, man, I'm fine. But in reality, on the inside, it's like, can't you see me? Like, this is what I didn't understand, which is, like, the craziness of it. Like, whether I was talking to my mom or dad or friends, it's like, can't you see me? Like, why can't you see how much pain I'm in? Why can't you see that I can't deal with life? Why, why can't you understand me? Why can't you see I feel this way? And that's what is just yelling from the inside but the thing is I keep that voice on the inside well at least I kept it on the inside and the on the outside it was just a face of yeah dude let's go party eh? no I'm fine man don't worry about it I'm fine and from that point on I just really was very very unfine the next summer, I was supposed to leave for BMT, but it got pushed back again, so I was actually able to return to Penn State in the fall, last second. All of my friends had like an apartment, so I ended up getting an apartment on my own, and that's really when things turned dark, because at this point, like, I, I couldn't handle life at all. I was barely getting credits each semester. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my future. I couldn't talk to my friends without feeling like they didn't like me. I couldn't text a girl without me feeling like I was being a nuisance upon them. Like, my existence was a, was bothersome. You know, like, everything I did, like, kind of plagues humanity. So, uh, at that point when I was living in that apartment, I actually could not go see my friends until I had, like, 10 drinks uh, by myself at my apartment. I, I couldn't text them. I couldn't reach out to them. And, like, I couldn't be a part of them. And then I would end up and I would go out and I would get absolutely blasted. And I would stay up as late as I can. And then I would come home. And I would look in the mirror and I, I wouldn't even recognize who I was looking at anymore. You know, because you're staring at this face and this monster is looking back at you. Like this monster of what you become. And it's like you are just looking right through this shell of a human. Like this person has no goals. This person cares about nothing. You know, but it's just scary because it's me. You know, that person I'm looking at, that is me, but I can't recognize it. Everything I see is just not who I imagined my life becoming. It was not who I imagined myself becoming. It was just a scary image that I just didn't want to look at anymore. And the other thing was when I would come back and I was home, you know, and I would usually keep drinking and I would only keep drinking because, like, at that apartment, I would just... There would just be all this noise and yelling going on all the time. But there was never anyone else in my apartment with me. All of that noise, all of this screaming, all of this madness is occurring inside of my own head. Just yelling at me about how I'm not good enough how I'm insufficient, how I'm a loser, about how the things I'm doing is bad, and how I'll never figure it out, you know, I'll never do anything with my life. And the only way to quiet that down was to keep drinking until I was out, to keep drinking until I was oblivion, and keep drinking until, like, my mind did not work anymore. And that's what I would do. 
you know, it's not that I, I just didn't want to go to sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep with that noise. I needed it to shut up. I needed everything to just be quiet. I needed to just be not even a human anymore. <laughs> but the problem with drinking to that limit is the next day, oh, the hangovers, man. The hangovers, the anxiety over what have I done, sometimes the black eyes, because I got into a few fights. I don't think I won many. Um, <laughs> and that anxiety would actually be bedridden for days. Like people would talk about their hand can't move. I wouldn't move for three days. You know, I'd may maybe get up to pee. Maybe. You know, I would actually wait until it was so painful that I would have to go pee. Because you know, there's a limit. You can actually push that true. Because like, I wasn't even. I was barely a human anymore. I was a shell of anything. You know, getting up to pee is for some way more worthy of, than me. And I definitely would not reach out to friends because I couldn't see them. You know, I had no idea what my actions led me to, what I might have said, who I might have screwed over. And even if I did know, it didn't matter because it's me. You know, I'm, I'm a loser. They don't want to hang out with me during the week. Why would they want to do that? So I would not reach out. And I would always make these promises to myself, not again next weekend. You're not going to do this again next weekend. I would say that on Monday. I would say that on Tuesday. Say it Wednesday. And sometimes I'd even say it Thursday. By Friday, yeah, it's not going to happen again this weekend, you know. Like, we'll be fine. Have my, have my beers. Finally shoot out a text and go do the same thing over again. At the end of uh, that semester, I finally did leave for the military, and at basic military training, I don't know if anyone's aware of this, but you cannot drink or do anything. And that was honestly kind of a relief for me. I uh, When I got there, I got promoted to be um, dorm chief, which is pretty much like I was the head of my flight, which was like 50-something people, um, which was like a responsibility that I was excited to bear. And during that two-month period, like, things actually started to clear up a lot, you know? I had to face, like, some of my insecurities right away because, like, now I was in charge of these people. Like, I had to figure out a way to be sufficient, you know? I had to figure out a way to, like, kind of project, like, this confidence even if I didn't have it yet. And, like, I would kind of do that. I started keeping a journal and, like, going through some of my thoughts and really trying to, like, assess, like, what's going on with, like, me and my life, you know? Like, what happened with some of my relationships, what was going on with some of my friendships, like, who should I reach out to, who should I not reach out to? And I, I would really process all that. I made some really good friends that I would talk to a lot while we were there, you know, floating, folding laundry and stuff like that. And in that journal, I kind of did record, like, one realization, you know, like, one thing that is different here is, like, I'm not drinking and, like, things seem a little calmer. To be fair, I mean, there's no connection with the outside world there, so it's a lot easier to kind of ground yourself than it is once you get out. Um, I ended up finishing uh, BMT uh, second overall out of 800 and something people, you know, I, academic honors, I, uh, physical fitness honors, um, and like with the respect of like my flight. And my next stop was going to be California, Oxnard, and you know, I promised myself I'm not, I'm not going to drink when I get there, you know, like things are going too well, like let's just see how like focused we can be on ourselves. I made it like two weeks and then I got blocked out at a bowling alley, <laughs> couldn't move the next day. And um, California was really just a series of 
you know, getting really drunk one weekend, not drinking for a few weekends, getting really drunk one weekend, not drinking for a few weekends. But, you know, it kind of kept it under control because, like, I really, you, I didn't have that much freedom there. Um, eventually, then, I came home to Long Island where I worked uh, on my guard base, and it was one and the same, you know, like, get blacked out here, settle down for the weekend, get blacked out here, settle down for the weekend. But, you know, at least, like, my life had some purpose. I was, uh, you know, I still hadn't gotten a degree but like at least I was working on the military base you know at least like it looked good from the outside everything I was doing so I didn't have to worry about people knowing I was a loser like I could keep up the facade that things were going well for me and that's kind of how I based a lot of my life like I just wanted to do things that made it look good from the outside because like I knew deep down I was a loser and insufficient but like how can I make it look pretty you know how can I make it look pretty to other people and at least they found, like, he's in the military, like, he's doing something himself, he's not a loser, he's, he went to Penn State, he's not a loser, you know, and, like, all these little things that, like, I would kind of place in there to, to make it look like it was all okay, and, like, part of that was also to, like, be able to sustain, like, my lifestyle, you know, I, I didn't, I was not ready to let go of everything, to let go of the partying and stuff like that, I, I wasn't ready to deal with myself, so I had to do little things to make it look pretty, and make it look like everything was fine, and, like, the military kind of worked for that. Um, eventually, my uh, orders ended, and I was back to just being a reservist, so one week in a month, and I had, like, a two months until I was going to uh, go to, uh, back to college. I, I was transferring into John Jay, and I uh, decided I was going to take those two months, and I was going to take my talents to Thailand, because in Thailand, everything was going to be fixed. <laughs> I was going to get uh, my uh, Zen on, do some Namaste. I really should have said Namaste. Um, and that's like another trend you could actually see throughout what's going on in, uh, in my life up until this point. Is it's a lot of uh, location changes. You know, Penn State to back home, to, to Montauk, back to Penn State, to back home, to the military, to California to back home and now to Thailand because in my mind like my unhappiness which is really what like is the seed of everything you know like this depression this anxiety this insufficiency comes from like a level of unhappiness is because I thought it was in a location you know I thought I, I could go find it somewhere through like doing crazy things or crazy events and now like I thought okay if I go to Thailand that's gonna be fixed like I just need to travel I just need to go see the world and like then I will find myself. I will find myself somewhere else. And I didn't know it at the time, but like a very popular line is everywhere I go, here I am. And after Thailand, like you'll hear like that's really what I discovered. It did not matter where I was, I was still me in every single location. No matter where I was, I was insecure. No matter where I was, I had depression going on. No matter where I was, once I started drinking, I couldn't stop. And no matter where I was, I was reckless, you know? And non not caring for my own life um in thailand i got there and in my first night in thailand i lost my cell phone and i woke up in my underpants in bangkok on the road in front of the, my own hostel at least i was at my own hostel but in my underpants nonetheless and the next day i didn't leave my room at all because i was just the whole in my mind oh, all of thailand hates me Dude, all the Thailand does not care about. You're not the first white boy to pass out in his underwear in Thailand, but for me, like, it meant everything, and, like, that now defined who I was as a person, you know? It didn't matter what else had occurred in my life. I'm the loser who passed out in his boxers in Thailand. So the next day, I laid in bed all day. 
Um, the following day, I decided to go get a new phone from the Apple store in Bangkok. And I kind of just went about my business and kind of hopped back on my way, you know, with life. Um, I ended up traveling through Thailand for like six weeks and it was really just episodes of, you know, being in like more laid back places to going out and partying to, you know, going back to, damn, what am I doing to going to like a jungle track or stuff like that. Just a lot of moving around, you know, going from a drunken blur to let's calm down and try and see stuff to a drunken blur to let's calm down and try and like, let's get our scuba diving license. Um, and it, it all, the one night I like remember so perfectly is this one night I was in Koh Phi Phi. Um, they had these pool parties there and you know, like I just had a great, a great day, you know, for anyone, like a single person, like, you know, I was at the pool party, I was talking to a bunch of girls, like I was having fun, I was drinking and then like the night came and I'm just sitting on the beach and I just started crying so hard. Because I realize, like, I have nothing, you know? I'm not working towards becoming something. I have no goals. I, I have still have no desires, and I feel like I'm such a loser. I ended up calling my sister, I'm pretty sure, and just bawling, crying to her. Like, what's... I'm in this beautiful country, halfway around the world, and all I can think about is my insufficiency and how I will never actually be happy because I was really admitting it at this point. Like, I am so unhappy. No matter what I am showing to the world, like whether they think I'm having fun doing this party and stuff, like I'm not. I was never having fun when I was out partying or doing things like that at all. I was just trying to create this illusion, you know, maybe I'll fake it till I feel it, you know, if I'm not happy, I might as well be partying or whatever. And like, I just was so unhappy. I was so, so sad. No matter where I was, on a beautiful, pristine beach. <laughs> You know, one of the, supposed to be one of the funnest places in the world, and here I am crying because I am so defeated. I am so knocked down by life, and I just don't know what I'm going to do anymore. I stayed, obviously, for like another three weeks, and I had another um, little time when I was on this floating <laughs> bungalow in the middle of the jungle, and I woke up at 2 a.m. and went outside, and I just kind of sat there like, you got to do something with your life, man. Like, you gotta try and figure it out. And at this point, I guess I was really coming to terms with, like, there's no, like, solution. None of this partying or trying to go places or trying to make it all look good on paper is actually fixing anything on the inside. Except for maybe making it look good on paper and giving off this illusion to everyone that I'm fine, everything's okay, this is what I want to be doing. Because none of it was what I wanted to be doing. None of it was who I wanted to be. It was all just a facade that I was trying to dictate like I'm the puppet master as if I could control everything that goes on. Uh, finally, I, I did come home from Thailand alive <laughs> and I went to Mexico with my family and in Mexico I had a bunch of really bad showings of just doing, just being just a bad person because I was really starting to, everything was really starting to come down on me. You know, the, the drinking wasn't enough anymore. Nothing, it, it just... At one point, like, the drinking and stuff, like, it was the medicine, you know? It, it kind of, it settled me. It was that relief from my mind, but it just, it stopped being enough, you know? It, it wasn't fixing anything anymore. Because I was too in tune with the fact that I am, I am suffering and I don't know what to do about it. And I do not know how to handle my life.
I uh, came back and I, I decided that I was going to, when I got back from Mexico, I decided I was going to stop drinking. Um, I ended up lasting 10 days that first time until I was back doing what I was doing because I guess I had not gotten low enough. I wasn't, you know, I was going to fix it again because now I, I transferred to a school in New York City and it was, it was my only problem with school. It was, it was Penn State. It was the party atmosphere in like New York City. New York City doesn't have a party atmosphere. Go figure. Um, I ended up doing my classes for like three weeks until I had to withdraw from every single one of them because it was, it was the same story. You know, I would try and do classes, and I would go out on a Friday night, and I would get so blasted, and the depression would hit it, and I couldn't deal with school, and I still had no direction in my life, and I felt like a loser, and I just didn't know what to do. At least I pulled out of these classes instead of just letting them fail, you know? I, uh, luckily then, COVID-19 COVID hit, and COVID-19 was actually one of the bigger blessings for me um I, at first i actually had to stay in the city for a week because i had a fever and maybe i had covid maybe i didn't i guess we don't really know and that week was one of the worst weeks of my entire life i had dropped out of school again so i know that wasn't going well and now i was going home to to montauk to kind of just hang out i guess I had no idea how I was going to tell my parents that I, I just withdrew from school again. You know, I'm I'm 22 years old. I, I barely have, I don't know, 40-something credits. And here I am again, not, unable to actually make any progress towards any sort of the future. So during that week, I ended up drinking like two bottles of wine every single day and just crying. Crying on my couch, just wondering, like, how much longer am I going to do this? Like, I would literally lie on the couch for 14 hours every single day not moving at all but drinking and just crying just begging begging god to just just stop end it for me here like please just like just i'm so done i am so so done feeling like this i just want it to be over i don't know if i was ever going to take any action on it but i do know like a lot of my actions were not in the most like profound ways of like protecting my life. I, I definitely made a lot of reckless decisions. Um, not going to go into the details of them, but like a lot of times like people say like, YOLO, you only live once. Like that doesn't mean go do fucking stupid shit, man. There's a huge difference between going on like on a mountaineering expedition and the things I was doing saying you only live once. I'm just crazy. You know, no, dude, you're just reckless and you are inconsiderate. Because not only was I putting myself at risk, I was putting other people at risk. But we'll talk about that on another day. Um, eventually, I was able to go out to Montauk. I would say this is probably the beginning of March. Um, you know, I'm not in classes, but like I didn't tell my parents yet, and they, at least they weren't out there that often at the time. But it was just me, most of it, um, and my sister. And I had this one friend out there who was very much just a, just a using buddy. And every other night, I'd end up getting blasted. And then I would kind of recover and go surfing and try and start meditating and be like, I'm going to figure out my life. But... I wouldn't, and that, that went on for like a month, and like the thing is, when I would get blasted these times, I'd always walk down to this one deck and just look at the stars and be like, I'm so sad. I'm so sad with my life. I, I don't really care for it. I don't care about who I am. I'm a nobody. I'm never going to have it figured out, and I was just really getting close to I was just done. I was just so, so done at that point. And eventually, it just all, it all, all led up to this one night where I'm just sitting on my couch with the same friend. We're just up until 7 a.m. And I look at him, I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. 
and he looks back and it's like what do you mean like i can't live my life like this dude like i can't control this stuff and i am so sad i hate my life i hate who i am i hate everything about me i'm insecure i'm insufficient i am making no progress towards any future i ever imagined there is a little kid you know i knew there was a little kid who had a vision for his life and this is not it this is not who i wanted to become I am mean, I am a liar, I do bad things, I, I am all those things, you know? I am just bad. And then I finally look, I'm like, dude, like, I am so much more afraid of my life going on the way it is than I am of dying. You know, dying was a release. It would have been at least some sort of peace because I wasn't going to have to go on feeling the pain I was feeling anymore. Because that pain I was feeling, I could not imagine a life living like that forever. I couldn't deal with it. Uh, it was so scary. So the next day, I uh, I woke up. I uh, actually stayed in bed all day that day. And then the next day, I went home to Long Island. And, you know, I me and my mom went on this walk. And I just told her, I'm like, Mom, there's something wrong with me. Like, there's something going on inside my head that I don't know how to deal with it. I am in so much pain. And I... I have a problem with drinking and it only exemplifies it and I, I don't know what to do. I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not doing the things I want to do. I've accomplished nothing, but like I don't know what to do and I am in so much pain and I just need help. And she listened and we talked and, and then I started getting help, you know. The one thing I did tell her was like, Mom... I need you to be there for me, but I, I know you can't do this for me because so long I wanted, I wanted solutions in people or things or places. I wanted the solution to be just adding a new, whether it be friend to my life or girlfriend or, you know, travel destination or experience, but like none of that fixed it because like I had to face me. And this was the first time I, I really realized that like nothing outside of me is going to fix me and I need to do this on my own. I can't be looking for things. It's not about getting things. It's not about getting a job. It's not about accomplishing a feat. It's about facing me and discovering me and accepting me and then moving past that. And since that day, it's it's been a process. Um, yeah, that was April 19th, 2020. Uh, I guess we're almost April 19th, 2022. And that's really what has gotten me to to where I am now. I, uh, you know, I actually am about to finish my, my undergraduate. Um, I am also applying to uh, schools to get my master's degree in mental health counseling. And none of this would have been possible if it weren't for, you know, everything that has happened before it. And the reason why I actually wanted to have this podcast or even go into mental health counseling because, like, a lot of what has, like, resonated with me is, like, w w what was the purpose of all of this suffering? Like, why, why did I have to go through everything that I went through? You know, why did I have to feel things the way I did? And whether there is a reason, I don't know if things actually happened for a reason, but, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't know why they happened, but they did happen. So, like, now can, can I use them? Can I use my experience to like further myself as a human or like to even expand that to other people? And like the answer is yes. Every single experience I had, I can now use to 
you know, progress as myself because, like, at the end of the day, like, I, I will always be, like, that person who, who has some of those insufficiencies, who has some of that insecurity, but, like, now I have better methods of, like, dealing with it. And I also have purpose behind it. Um, one of the cooler things that I ever uh, read was um, this book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And, like, he actually uh, founded this uh, theory in psychology that human beings, you know, they don't, they don't want love, they don't want joy, they don't want happiness. What they want is purpose. You know, they want purpose behind the things they were doing. And he was a, he was a Holocaust survivor. And one thing he noted was that the people who felt purpose in the suffering they had in the Holocaust were the ones who, who survived. Obviously, there's extraneous circumstances, like some were sent to the death chamber, and I'm not saying they didn't feel purpose, but he was more so talking about the ones who died of starvation were the people who could not find purpose in their suffering. And, like, he believes he survived because, like, his purpose was to get back to his work, so his, his suffering was worth enduring because his life still had purpose, it still had meaning. And for me, like, that's kind of what I can use all of this for. It's like, my life has purpose still. Like, all of this experience has given my life so much more purpose because, like, what I have is, like, this disease of passion. And what I mean by that is, if you could tell, like, the way I feel emotions is very passionately. The way I feel, like, insecurity is very passionately. Even anyone who remembers the way I drink is very passionately. And that is always going to afflict me, you know? I will always feel, like, this stronger sense of uh, insufficiency if I let it take hold, or insecurity, or, like, being a little conscious, or even, like, sad sometimes. Like, I'm always going to feel those things super strongly and with a lot of passion. But, like, I can also apply those to, like, how I pursue, like, other things in life. Like, right now, like, I, I use that passion towards, like, trying to do, like, fitness and ultramarathoning. And, like, I, I just let that passion take hold and, like, I let it take it as far as it could because, like, I need, I need to use that passion, you know? I also see it as, like, the same passion that, like, I, I was gifted. I can use that towards, like, my friendships, the way, like, I treat my friends. I could use it towards, like, my family. I can use it towards any children I have one day. I can use that towards the relationship I have because, like, I have this disease of everything I do, I have to do 100%. If I feel sad, I have to feel sad 100%. If I want to go for a run like I have to go for a run at 100% like I have to do everything full force but I also drink and do other things at 100% and when I use that passion for those other things there's none left for the rest of my life so like thankfully I have been able to not use this passion in other fields one day at a time and hopefully I will continue to not use these passions in, in other fields one day at a time but that also brings me to why I wanted to do, like, this Pursuit of Happiness podcast because, like, it's really not about, like, this Pursuit of Happiness is what I've really discovered. I I'm not chasing happiness anymore, you know. I I'm chasing passion and I'm chasing purpose. And, like, all that brings me is contentness because, like, chasing purpose, like, it has letdowns all the time. Like, sometimes when I go for, I just did my ultra marathon and I didn't. I didn't succeed, you know, I, I didn't reach the goal, and, like, obviously that hurt me a lot, you know, I wasn't exuberant at the end of it, I wasn't extremely happy, but, you know, like, at least I was chasing purpose, and, you know, when I sat down and looked at it, my entire family was there, so, like, that suffering I went through, and even that failure had purpose, the purpose was I, I got to get together with all of those people, and see all of those people who actually just mean the world to me. And, like, this recognition of purpose has been, like, a huge contributor in, like, my my life and my mental health. Um, 
even like finding sustainability within fitness like I, I do fitness with purpose I, I think about like the higher reasoning for why I want to be doing the things I'm doing and they're usually past like they get past like aesthetics and stuff like that and I believe like that could be kind of attributed to like other people and whether they want to develop their own fitness or like need help like progressing in their mental health it's just how can we help you find your purpose how can we help you accept like your life for what it is and then use that as a purposeful way to um, propel you to where you want your life to be in the future um because when you're not chasing happiness you're not running from sadness and you kind of understand that it's all just things of life emotions happen all of the time happiness sadness anger they're they're like thoughts they come and they go and i think like what i needed to do like especially to create sustainability and progressing towards where i want to be like accept all of them when they come when i'm sad like i now like i just feel sadness fully and then i accept that it's just it's just a momentary it's just a momentary thing and like i can let it pass on and go out, go somewhere else and like when i have happy moments like i sit there and i appreciate them but i also understand that they're not there forever and I return to my level of contentness and then I return to my purpose and where my purpose is driving me. And then moving forwards, I just really hope that this purpose drives me in, you know, just even making this podcast and just like whether it be talking about fitness or mental health or how the two combine with each other or interviewing other people who um, I kind of view as very passionate in what they do and kind of just like talking about like how who they are and like their insecurities and everything involved has been used uh, to to get them to where they are today and to drive them to the levels of uh, success they may have achieved or or still seek to achieve um, but overall like I just hope that I can um, just talk about how like me discovering my true self and understanding myself can also be used to help other people um, discover their true selves or even like use techniques that I have worked for me that may work for you and just overall just talk about the mind the body you know and everything in between and uh, hopefully through it all we can all find our uh, higher levels of purpose and um, keep on keeping on just like my boy Victor Frankl did to uh, the levels he achieved and um the one thing I will say, though, is just one of my favorite quotes is by uh, Matthew McConaughey, and he kind of talks about how um, when he finally got famous, he and he, he, he made a lot of money, he, he got this, this maid, and she would um, fold his pants, his jeans, in a way where like he would have the line when he wore them, and he went to talk to his friend, and he's like, wow, like I have this crazy line like in my pants, like I've never had that before. And he was just getting so excited over it because of like, you know, it signals some level of importance or whatever to him. And his friend simply asks like, do you even like that line? He's like, what do you mean? Like I have it, like, what do you mean? Like it's nice, like I don't have to do it. She does it for me. He's like, yeah, but like, do you even like that line? And he thinks about it and he says, I fucking hate that line, you know? I hate that line down the middle of my pants. I don't like the way it looks. And I would never do it like that for myself. And that just kind of like broadcasts into like all of this. Like there's going to be a lot of things that like work for me and like have gotten me to the point where I am. But they may not work for everyone who listens. You know, you may hate it. It may not add to your subjective experience of life. So don't be afraid to like 
you know, even if you want to reach out and text me and say this doesn't work for me, and we could talk and maybe figure out something that does work for you. But all I'm saying is, like, don't follow a path just because you kind of think it's supposed to be right. Because I did that for a really long time. There's a lot of things that were supposed to be fun, that were supposed to be my direction, that were supposed to be the way to go, and I hated them. And I hated me for going that way. So as you listen and go about your day or whatever in your life, like, Ask yourself if you like that line. So, can't wait to uh, see everybody next weekend. Hell yeah. Pursuit of happiness. What an interesting topic. Cheers, mates.